reading is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through to 12. Proverbs 3. And uh, since we will be looking uh, in a few moments at Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4 on uh, uh, parents and children in the covenant, uh, it's good to read a passage from the Old Testament that shows how there too in the Old Testament the Lord addressed uh, both young and old and uh, that comes out very often in the book of Proverbs with uh, address a father speaking to his son and uh, we see that here too in chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favour and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honour the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord, or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. You see in that last uh, couple of verses also, uh, there's a lot of um, ways in which this passage is reflected also in our text, but uh, you see that connection there between loving and delighting in your children, but at the same time also disciplining and reproving uh, according to the need of the situation. We read now from Ephesians chapter 6, some of those same points being taken up in Ephesians 6. We'll read verses 1 to 9. But the text is verses 1 to 4 on parents and children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart, as to Christ, not by way of eye service, as men pleases, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart." With goodwill render service, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters do the same things to them, and give up threatening, 
knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we will be hearing about submission to authority in the sermon this morning, we pray that you would also enable us all to submit to the authority of your word, that we will do so because we submit to your authority, and that not from terror, nor on the other hand from mere custom, and certainly not to try to earn your favour, as if we could ever do that, Father, but to do so out of loving and thankful and reverential fear of you and your holy name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Covenant people of God, this is, as I've already indicated, a text about children and parents. And the danger, we've seen it with other passages before, but the danger with this kind of passage is that straight away those with no children, singles, um, older couples, whose uh, birds have flown in the nest, or couples without children, you may be inclined to think that this isn't really for you. Or in some cases possibly even worry that the church is forgetting you with yet another sermon about all of the, the blessings that in God's providence you are not currently able to enjoy. And therefore I want to make this comment about application about, to do with this sermon before we get into it, so that you can keep this in mind, if you're in that situation, you can keep this in mind as we go through this passage. Uh, the point being that what we learn about children here, it teaches us, it teaches all of us about the very nature of authority and submission to it. It teaches us all about the, the twin dangers on the one hand of rejecting authority and on the other hand of abusing authority. And so this is something that applies to us all in much the same way as what we heard about husbands and wives for the same reason in the previous text. Uh, that also taught all of us, even those who are not married, those who are single. Moreover, this passage teaches us all about the Lord's covenant mercy and blessings which apply to us all. Because the passage speaks about uh, God's mercy to covenant children, but that's the same mercy that all of us who are in the covenant receive. So we're all instructed on these things. And that's quite apart from the fact that some of you who do not have children yet may have them in God's providence at a later date. And uh, so it's good to uh, consider those things uh, early on and, uh, Lord willing, be prepared for them before that event. Uh, two points as we look at this passage. First of all, the responsibilities of covenant children and secondly, the responsibilities of covenant parents. The responsibilities of the children and the parents in the covenant. And uh, you may have noticed then, uh, as we look at our first point, you may have noticed already in the way I've phrased that, that I really want to stress this point, that God is addressing his word here to covenant children. As you know, there are many today who deny that the children of believers are in the covenant. 
and uh, they would insist that the only way you can enter the covenant in the New Testament, New Covenant, the only way to enter is by being converted. And uh, here uh, we are saying that these, no, that there's also the fact of children of believers that they are also in the covenant and it's clear that this is so from this passage, from the way it speaks. And to understand that, I just want to remind you of what we've already seen about the, the whole line of thought that we find in this book from the Apostle Paul and behind that from the Spirit, the Holy Spirit who inspired it, that the Apostle addressed saints who are at Ephesus. He makes clear to whom he is addressing these words right from the very beginning, chapter 1, verse 1. This book, this entire book is addressed to saints, to those who are in the covenant. And it continues right through to address the people of God in that way, to address them as God's household, those who are blessed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because they are addressed in that way, because they are in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are uh, exhorted to put off the old self and put on the new self. And we've come back to that point again and again through this book. We then found that after the apostles spoke about some general principles that apply to all of God's people, as we put off the old self and put on the new, he then began to narrow things down to address particular groups. That is, to address particular groups within the household of God, to apply this putting off of the old self and putting on of the new first to husbands and wives, to covenant husbands and wives. And we'll find a little bit uh, later on how he goes on in the next section, and Lord willing, next time we look at this book, uh, how he goes on to address covenant slaves and masters, another group within the church community in Ephesus. And here in this part, the one that we're looking at, he is addressing covenant children and covenant parents, another group within the Ephesian church. Just as the Old Testament also addresses these groups, uh, for example, in the fifth commandment, which was addressed especially to the covenant children, not to say that other people should not heed God's law, but addressed especially to the covenant people of God, and hence with a promise attached to the children of the covenant who obey, that they will then receive, and they do receive, the covenant promises of long life in the land, given to covenant children in the fifth commandment and repeated here in Ephesians 6, verses 2 and 3. And when you look at all of this together, there should be no doubt whatsoever that the children who are being addressed here are being addressed as one group within the covenant community of God, the covenant children. And what that means is that the Lord has a special care, as we apply that locally, that the Lord has a special care for the boys and girls in this congregation too. You are his covenant children and you belong to him. You are members of his church, which is the bride and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not lower down. You are not less important than the adults. 
And that means, by the way, too, that when we have a profession of faith, as we did the other week, that profession of faith is not a member of young people becoming members in the church. It is not uh, a matter of them becoming more or higher members of the church, more, more of a member or a higher member, though it does mean entering the full privileges. It's sort of like when you, your parents finally allow you to start learning how to drive. Uh, driving doesn't make you a member of the family, you already are, but it is a greater privilege that you come to joy, enjoy and a greater responsibility as well as you mature. But at any rate, the Lord cares enough, he already cares enough for the younger members as demonstrated by the fact that he gives you promises. He promises you blessings. And also in the fact that he gives you commandments for your own good, just as he does to the adults. And he speaks to you in particular in parts of his word, just as he does to other groups of adults in various parts of his word. So here the commandment that he gives his covenant children uses two main words, obey and honour. Obey your parents and honour your father and your mother. The meaning of the word obey here is that you listen to what they say and you put yourself under it. That's the meaning of the word literally. It has an emphasis on listening to what parents say and putting yourself under it rather than putting yourself above what your parents say as if you're able to judge whether or not you're going to agree with your parents or whether or not you're going to follow their instructions uh, and then that's the meaning of the word obey and then the meaning of the word honour, more than obey, it means valuing mum and dad as well as valuing what they say but also valuing them rather than thinking that what they say and who they are is just nothing, it's rubbish what they say and they're not really very important, they're nothing, they're nothings and who do they think they are to tell you what to do and so forth. And this applies, this uh, commandment here to the children applies to children uh, receiving uh, what their parents teach them, what their parents teach them about the Lord. It applies to uh, what they think and how they deal with duties that parents give, uh, whether, they give whether we're talking about daily duties to do with keeping your room tidy or um, uh, to do with... Uh, how, they treat, how you treat your siblings or how you speak back to your parents, uh, whether you do your homework and things like that. It applies to all of those things, including the things that they tell you you're not allowed to do, certain things you want to do but they tell you you're not allowed to. And these commandments to you imply not only following those instructions, unless it goes against God's word, of course, but also respecting your parents rather than answering back or complaining about them and their rules. Now, there are some reasons given here as to why young people should do that, why you should obey and honour your parents. 
First reason is because this is right, verse 1. It is God's commandment and he only ever gives good and right commands. And those who are righteous accept that. Second reason is because this is said to be something you do in the Lord. And that is a reason that is also given with virtually all these other authority and submission situations that I mentioned earlier. Uh, So we find parallel language in chapter 5, verse 22, regarding husbands and wives. Wives, be subject as to the Lord. It's very similar to saying, do this in the Lord, do it as to the Lord. Chapter 6, verse 5, slaves with masters, slaves be obedient as to Christ. And in 1 Peter 2, verse 13, where Peter is writing about how we deal with governing authorities in the government of the land, similar language again, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And Romans 13 is the passage that gives us the explanation of that in verses 1 and 2, the fuller explanation, for there is no authority except from God. Whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. So, young people, God made your parents to be your parents. It wasn't just an accident of birth. Uh, God put your parents there as your parents. And he gave them authority to give you these instructions. Ignore them, disobey, disobey them, Think nothing of those instructions or of the parents who give them and you are opposing the Lord at that point at any rate. And that's true. I said before this has application to all of us. This is true of all of us as we deal with God-appointed authorities. doesn't matter which authority it is, unless it's contrary to God's word, we have to remember that they are appointed by God and if we oppose them, then we are at that point opposing God. But there is, of course, even more to this in the Lord for the sake of the Lord language. We obey and honour parents because we love the Lord and because we want to do what pleases Him and because we are thankful to Him. We're thankful for the gift of salvation that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. We obey the Lord out of gratitude and we desire to follow the example of the Lord as well for that matter and consider how he dealt with authority. Even when those authority figures were cruel to him, consider the respect that he had and the humility he had before authority as he grew up and eventually went to the cross. And for thankfulness for that work and because we love him, we seek to obey and also to follow his example. All of that is part of obeying in the Lord. And that too is for all of us one of the chief reasons for respecting authority. Now we are reminded of one of the main reasons to be thankful in verses 2 and 3. We're reminded of this, ultimately reminded of being thankful for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation, when we consider what is said here about the fifth commandment. The first one 
with a promise attached. The promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. In the Old Testament, this meant that Israel would enjoy long life, stability, peace, provision and blessing in the promised land, the land of Canaan. And that was, as I mentioned before, specifically a covenant blessing for the covenant people. And you find this again and again in the Old Testament. One example is Genesis 17, verse 8, the land promise, as it's sometimes called, long life in the promised land. And this is part of it, the fifth commandment. But Israel was also warned that rebellion would quickly bring loss of enjoyment of the covenant blessings. And therefore, if in the nation of Israel you would find a a, a widespread situation where there was a settled rebellion on the part of young people against their parents, a a youth society out of control, which is to say a settled rebellion against God on the part of a whole portion of the population, then that would bring about instability in Israel. It might be war, it might be famine, it might be drought, it might be exile, it might be death, instead of peace and stability in the Lord. In the New Testament, this promise and this warning are carried over for the new covenant children in this passage, in Ephesians. Only now we see how, and we learn in the New Testament, how this promise is expanded in the fullness of the new covenant because of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Still, we could say there is a a general truth here that any society today, any nation where the young dismiss their parents uh, and where they dismiss their past history, the wisdom of previous generations for that matter, and reject authority, any such society where this becomes widespread is headed for disaster. And we see that disaster happening all around us. We see uh, a society that is in the process really of collapsing itself by giving itself over to a youth culture where there's very, very little uh, discipline and very little respect for parents or for authority in general. But the land promised to the covenant people now, and this is specifically what we're talking about here, not simply a general truth that applies to nations where rebellious attitude become settled, but we're talking here especially about the covenant people of God who have this land promise now seen to be expanded, not just to receiving a a bit of land in the Middle East, an area to call their own in the Middle East, but expanded now to the entire new heavens and new earth so that those who are the Lord's people inherit the earth, the whole lot, the the new heavens and new earth. And the long life is seen as it also was explained from time to time in the Old Testament, as eternal life in that new creation. So in other words, if you rebel against your parents and you refuse ever to repent of that, just as with other commandments, to put it another way, if you harden your heart against God and that settles into your life and your heart, if you harden your heart against his word, then you will not enjoy eternal life with the Lord. And in that sense, this is actually a matter of salvation. That does not mean, however, 
that the Lord rewards the obedient child with heaven and eternal life because you have earned it or deserve it. It is entirely because of the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ and for his sake. It is entirely a matter of grace, this promised blessing. But when we obey and honour our parents for his sake, then we are demonstrating that we belong to him. And he graciously rewards those who belong to him and who demonstrate that by their love and their service of him rather than by rebelling against him. And this too is something that applies to all of us as we submit to authority for the Lord's sake. That it is a matter of grace that God promises that he will bless us for, uh, because we belong to him, that's the ground of it, because of his work, but we demonstrate that uh, through our attitudes and uh, through our behaviour. So uh, this passage then is for all of us, but obviously it's dealing with a specific group, two specific groups in a way. We've dealt with one of them, we've considered the children, but now in the second and final place, there are the responsibilities of covenant parents. And here, though, the, the general application is to all in authority, as with parents, so with husbands, teachers, bosses, sessions and government officials. Uh, basic principles are similar, they're not identical. The basic principles are similar, whereas before we looked at those who were under authority, now those in authority. And as with those other authority situations, it's, uh, it can be very easy for us to be anxious as we think about this direction to submit and obey. For those who are under authority, that is a temptation to worry about what it means. What if I promise to submit to another person? Uh, what if a, a wife, in promising to uh, honour her husband and to obey him, uh, is she uh, giving him a blank cheque which is going to come back and bite her later, that in some ways she's going to regret that decision. What if parents, what if a husband, what if a teacher at school, what if a boss at work, what if an elder, what if government, what if they are harsh, what if they are over the top in their demands, what if they are ungodly in their behaviour, do I really want to make myself vulnerable by agreeing to submit and to obey? Though, of course, if we're honest, sometimes our concern is probably more along the lines that we're afraid that we, we might end up having to do something we don't want to do. And that's a different scenario. When we hesitate to say that we will submit in case we set some kind of uh, precedent that we'll later regret because it might stop us from pursuing our own self-will, well, that is an illegitimate concern about authority. That's a problem with us, if that's our attitude. Nevertheless, we can understand a legitimate concern about those in authority who are wrongly abusing that authority. And it is to answer that more legitimate concern that the Lord gives instructions to those who are in authority. And I want you to note the parallels here between the different authority figures and how the Lord addresses this issue. He says to husbands, 
love your wives, so not only to wives to uh, submit, but also to husbands to love your wives, to be understanding and to honour them. Ephesians 5.25, 1 Peter 3 verse 7. And he says to masters in the master-slave situation, or today we would draw as a parallel to that more of an application, uh, bosses and workers, he says to masters, give up threatening your slaves, Ephesians 6 verse 9. And here he says to fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, Ephesians 6 verse 4, or the parallel in Colossians 3 verse 21, do not exasperate them lest they lose heart. Now both of these words, provoke and exasperate, have a similar kind of meaning. They imply that fathers, and of course it applies to mothers as well, so parents, you're not to stir up your children to strong feelings of anger by your wrong behaviour as parents, by unjustified, unfair or ungodly behaviour. And parents are capable of doing that, and probably we all do in some way or other at times, uh, stir up our children to anger by unjustified words or unhelpful rules or harsh punishments or by neglect, that's another way of doing the same thing, or by abuse, or by discouragement, or, and here's another way of stirring up, or provoking or exasperating your children, by a settled kind of hypocrisy, which children will see in their parents very quickly, and uh, over time, if that remains as a, a settled kind of hypocrisy, where you're telling your children that they should be doing this and you're not giving any demonstration of a real strong desire and zeal to follow the Lord yourselves, but you're demanding of your children that they act in that way. That kind of hypocrisy uh, can do a lot of damage. This is no excuse for a child. There is no excuse for a child who is unreasonably angry about right action by parents. But parents and especially the fathers are addressed here as heads of households, are not to abuse that authority and give a cause for a more understandable reaction on the part of the child. For example, correction that goes too far or is unwarranted or uh, another aspect of uh, different types of correction, removing privileges simply because dad's in a bad mood, those kind of things. And this is not to say that it's okay for anyone to lose control of their temper. But parents here are being reminded not to add fuel to that fire unnecessarily. You, in effect, put a stumbling block before your children when you do. Well, this is certainly, uh, these words are certainly uh, quite a contrast to the world's approach to authority, especially in the present day and age. Sadly, in our society, there are some who really seriously abuse their authority. And the world tries to solve this problem by dismantling parental authority just about altogether. Other parents abdicate from the position of authority and let their children do almost anything they want to with very little correction or discipline. So you've got all those extremes going on in society and these wrong ways 
of trying to solve the problems that society does see. And through the midst of that, and, and what an opportunity it is, though a difficult one, and sometimes we may feel a dangerous one, to give a Christian witness to the biblical way of dealing with these matters, and that is exercising authority and exercising discipline in love as you strive to be as much like the Lord Jesus Christ as you can. Uh, those critical words that we see here in verse 4, that it is the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's the key qualification. Just like the children were commanded to obey in the Lord, that critical addition, so parents to exercise authority and discipline and instruct of the Lord, again, the critical qualification. Because this is a loving use of authority, Christian parents, and especially, again, the father singled out here as the head of the household, parents are commanded to bring up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, as I mentioned. Loving authority, combining in the exercise of teaching and discipline. I said before that giving a Christian witness in this case may be difficult and dangerous in our present society, or it may feel that it is so. Pressure from the world today, and in this country too, and fear of consequences, if you are going to do what the Scripture says, means that, at least as I observe it, younger Christian parents are probably tending to lighten up on discipline, even to the point sometimes of neglecting it, and especially the corporal element of it, corporal correction, which is clearly commanded in Scripture. The words here, as we look at the words that are put here in this passage, the word discipline is a word that especially has to do with action by parents. The word instruction has to do especially with words that parents speak. But the word discipline has to do with action. Actions that can themselves be instructive for the child, but the emphasis on this word is very definitely on correction. And it has implications of a corporal element in that correction. This is biblical language. And even the word instruction here is not so much emphasizing the positive instruction, though it can include that, but it has an emphasis on the admonition or reproof, just like in Proverbs 3, where that word reproof was added. Very uh, similar language. And on that score, when it comes to the, the, the verbal instruction, there it's not so much fear of consequences, though that increasingly, as uh, laws change regarding, regarding hate speech and rights of various groups in society, even verbal instruction could well become a danger area as far as uh, Christian parents feel it. But here one of our biggest problems, quite apart from that, is simply laziness on the one hand, or just the busyness of life on the other for parents, means that there can very easily be a tendency to neglect instruction and teaching. Ah, the church will take care of it. Send them to catechism class. The, the church will teach them. Send them to the Christian school. The Christian school will teach them. 
No, it is first and foremost your duty as parents. And not only is it a duty, it ought to be your first love, part of your first love, both the discipline and instruction of your children. Love of God, love of the Lord Jesus Christ, love of the gospel, love of the covenant, these things mean that there ought to be a strong desire in every parent to teach the Lord's ways. If you love him and you love those ways, a strong desire to teach your children the Lord's ways, to teach them the gospel, to teach them the covenant promises, to teach them the covenant commands and obligations. Because after all, these things... God's word, and it was reflected there in Proverbs 3 as well, these words are life to them as they are life to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Surely you would shelter your children from any other harm. You would react against uh, any threat to the health of your children. And we've had health issues lately among some of the children as we've already prayed about in our congregation and in other congregations as well. And parents react very quickly to that, generally speaking, because they're worried about that, they're concerned for their children, they love their children, so they do something about those health issues. You find out about your children being bullied. As a parent, you want to deal with that. You hear of a child being abused, you want to do something about that. Well, if you want to do something about those things, then love and nurture and teach and discipline your children. To neglect those things is in itself another form of abuse. And it's a serious one with potentially dire consequences to you and your children. You say you love the Lord and you say you love your children. And you say that you see society around messing up these things with such serious consequences. There's failure in child rearing. You see all of that, then I repeat... Love and nurture, teach and discipline your children. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that it is not by nature that we submit to authority, whether it should be of the state or the church or teachers at school or parents in the home or even to you. Nor is it by nature that we exercise authority in a godly and proper way, free from abuse. And therefore, Father, we seek your grace to exercise dominion and rule and authority and also to submit to those you have set over us. Help us to see this duty also as respect for you, for the order that you have created in this world, as well as to rule and obey as under and as to and for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, will you especially strengthen fathers as heads of households? Will you strengthen mothers and covenant children as well to learn and to show the fear of God and the trust in your promises, the trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and the love also of the commandments of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
we'll uh, sing Psalter Hymnal 297, uh, Psalm 144 as a prayer of thanks for covenant children, of which we have uh, plenty in this congregation and we ought to be thankful as a church, as well as the parents being thankful. And also a reminder to us of our goal, our ambitions for our children. We'll stand to sing number 297 and would you please remain standing for the blessing and doxology. After the blessing, as our doxology, we sing from the Psalter Hymnal, number 469, stanza 3. 469, stanza 3. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs> 